Welcome to the study of God's Word recorded live at Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado. To learn more about the many resources available through Abounding Grace Media or to tune into our live stream services, visit us online at calvaryco.church or download our free Calvary Church app. Now let's open our Bibles and study God's Word. Amen. Amen. All right, 1 Peter chapter 4, uh, a message today that I've called, Your Trial Will Become Your Triumph. Your Trial Will Become Your Triumph. And I just want to acknowledge this morning as we start that I know many of us in this place are dealing with great difficulties. And we've come into this place in, in a season of great difficulties. Those are trials that are in our lives. And, and for some of us, our trials might not be as big as you know, maybe the person sitting next to us, but it's still our trial. And there are some of us that are in the midst of a difficulty right now where we feel crushed underneath that, and we're not sure how we're going to make it through. Someone once said this, that we are either in a trial, or we're coming out of a trial, or we're about ready to enter into a trial. So perhaps you're here and you're like, I'm, I'm not in a trial at this point in my life. Well, maybe this is just the Lord's way of preparing you for what's coming. Um, but the guarantee, and hopefully this will be made evident to each one of us, that the trial that you are in is going to become your triumph. And we're going to see God speak to that. Now, there's a difference between trials and temptation. Uh, sometimes those words are used interchangeably. A trial is something that's given from God. And the purpose of the trial is to refine your faith, and to even define your faith. What kind of faith do you have? Temptations are something that's not given from God. When you're tempted, that's not coming from God. Uh, James chapter 1 tells us very clearly, God doesn't tempt anybody, nor is God tempted. Um, trials, the word trial actually means to prove or to test. And so a trial has the purpose of wanting to strengthen your faith. Honestly, when I go through a trial, my first reaction is to run. And my first reaction is it, it almost, I feel like it shakes my faith, right? But the purpose God has underneath that trial is to strengthen your faith. Temptation, on the other hand, is meant to lure you or to entice you away from your faith with the purpose of weakening your faith. So God gives us trials. God allows trials into our life. And Peter, uh, who has himself gone through many trials is going to give us a word here that's, that's helpful for us, I think, this morning. First Peter chapter 4, we're going to read verses 12 through 16. And if you like to take notes, sometimes that helps me just to remember things later. I'll have a few things to, to give to you uh, that will hopefully be an encouragement to you. First Peter 4 verse 12 tells us this, Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened to you. But rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. If you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you, for the Spirit of God, a Spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part he is blasphemed, but on your part he is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, or as a busybody in other people's matters. Yet, if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be put to shame, but let him glorify God in this matter. 
So if you are taking notes, the first point we want to recognize and see here is that, number one, trials are mandatory. Trials are mandatory. Verse 12 says, Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing has happened to you. So when it comes to trials, we didn't sign up for trials. We never said, Lord, would you please bring a great difficulty into my life today? That would be awesome, right? None of us signed up for them. They rarely show up uh, uh, announced. They often show up unannounced. None of us knows if a trial's in our future today or tomorrow. Uh, But God has designed every trial that comes into our life to strengthen our faith. Uh, Again, this is the faith that we just proclaimed as we sang. This is the faith when we say things like, God, you're good. God, you're faithful. God, you're, you're my provider. When we say those things, a trial then comes into our life to test, do you really believe that? Is this something that is true? Or is God only good when your life is good? Is God only faithful when you can feel his faithfulness? Is he only near you when you sense his presence? But trials are mandatory. And, and one of the reasons trials are mandatory is because they're part of the normal Christian life. You may not have known that the moment you said yes to Jesus, right? You maybe came forward and you got saved or you prayed with somebody to get saved and you probably didn't hear in that message, hey, as a Christian, life is going to be difficult. There are going to be things that are going to come into your life that are going to test you. Uh, But we're going to see, as Paul talks about this, and and, uh, Peter talks about this in verse 12, he says, don't think it's strange. It's part of the normal Christian experience for all of us. When he says strange there, the word strange means don't be surprised. Don't be astonished. Don't be shocked in the Greek when a trial comes into your life. Don't be caught off guard. Be prepared. This is part of the normal Christian experience. By the way, not if they come into your life, but when they come into your life. If you guys know James chapter 1, James says it this way, my beloved, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect, James is saying there, that you may be mature and complete lacking nothing. Paul even goes a step further uh, and says this in 2 Timothy 3.12. He says, yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Pastor Chuck Smith said of that verse, it's one of his most unfavorite promises in the Bible, because it is a promise. If any of you would raise your hand and say, I desire to live a godly life in Christ, Paul says, well, then get ready because you are going to experience persecution. And the reason is because we live in a broken world. And I know it's obvious to all of us, right? No matter what precautions we take to protect us from that brokenness, no matter how well we feel that we've put together a good life, no matter how hard we've worked to be healthy or how hard we've worked to be wealthy or how comfortable we have worked to to be friends and have a comfortable family and successful with our career, the reality is something will inevitably ruin it. And it will come into all of our lives. Pastor Charles Stanley says this, that if we don't understand the ways of God, then we're going to be left in frustration. 
And I think it's true. A lot of us, a trial comes to our life and we're, we're, we're simply frustrated oftentimes because we're not understanding what God is doing. Another pastor said this, suffering is unbearable if you aren't certain that God is for you and that God is with you. In other words, suffering can be bearable if you know that he's in your corner with you. He hasn't left you. He hasn't abandoned you. He hasn't walked away from you. You're not alone. In trials, one of the things that a trial does, we go back to who God is and, and whether or not we really believe that the character of God is good. Do we really believe that God is going to be faithful and he's going to see us through whatever difficulty comes into our life? So if you get a, a, a diagnosis from the doctor this week, that's a trial. And so you will be forced to ask and probably will ask, God, is he still good? Is he still good? If you have bills at home and, and they're stacking up and you're going, man, I don't know how I'm going to pay off all these bills. This is overwhelming me. I'm feeling like I'm drowning in debt. Is God your provider? One of his titles is he's Jehovah Jireh, my provider. Do you believe that? If you've been crushed by another person or brokenhearted by somebody or betrayed by somebody else, is God still faithful when all else fails? Is God still faithful? See, this is what trials do. They test these things that we believe about God. And it's not that God makes bad things happen to us. That's not God's heart. But God uses these things as opportunities to reveal the posture of our hearts. Are we leaning into Jesus in the midst of our difficulties? Or do we run from him? Because it's easy when something gets tough. Paul, Peter here talks about a fiery trial. If I'm getting close to a fire, I want to walk away from the fire. I don't want to move towards the fire. A lot of times we, we run from the Lord when things get difficult. But his heart is that we would draw near to him in those moments, to lean into him when things become difficult. Now, Peter, who wrote this, uh, Peter, who said, don't think it's strange. Trials are mandatory. This is part of the normal Christian experience. He didn't always believe that. He, this is a lesson he had to learn as well. Uh, back in Matthew chapter 16, verse 21, it tells us there, from that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. Then Peter took Jesus aside, and it says he began to rebuke him. That's not really a good thing to do, by the way, to rebuke Jesus, right? Perhaps that's exactly what we do when we go through a trial. Perhaps there's a rebuke, God, how could you allow this? God, this isn't right. How? Perhaps we ourselves rebuke Jesus at times. Peter does here. Peter says, far be it from you, Lord, this shall not happen to you. Verse 23, Jesus says, he turns and, and says to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but of the things of men. So Peter revealed there that he didn't understand that the trials that Jesus was about to endure were part of the plan that, that he had to save you and me. But here he is writing, don't think it's strange when you also experience these different trials. My, my favorite author, F.B. Meyer, he wrote 150 years ago. He says it this way. He says, once it seems strange to the apostle Peter that his master should think of suffering, 
Now he thinks it's strange that he could have imagined anything else. So trials are mandatory because they're part of the normal Christian life. Trials are also mandatory because the primary way to strengthen our faith is to test it. The primary way to strengthen our faith is to test it. Our faith doesn't really grow in the good times. It's a blessing to have a reprieve. It's a blessing to experience um, bounty and favor and those things. But, but our, our, our faith is strengthened in the difficulties of life. Verse 12, he says, Don't think it's strange concerning the fiery trial, the hot trial, the painful trial, the, the purifying trial which is to try you as though some strange thing has happened to you. It's not strange. It's expected. Uh, if you would, just keep your finger in 1 Peter 4 and just turn a couple pages to the left just for a moment, uh, 1 Peter chapter 1, because he kind of helps us understand this idea a little bit better of this fiery trial that he says we will endure. 1 Peter chapter 1, starting at verse 6, Peter says this, In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while... If need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it's tested by fire, that it may be found to praise, honor, and trust uh, at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen, you love. Though now you do not see him, yet believing you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the, set, the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. So Peter is saying here that the, the, the trials are mandatory because the primary way to strengthen our faith is to test it. Just like gold goes through fire to test the purity of the gold. I had a friend of mine once who worked at a little clock shop uh, and it was really cool. He'd take clocks, watches apart and clocks apart and put them back together and fix them. It was fascinating to me. Um, but he took all these little pieces of gold at one point and just wanted to show me this. And um, he, he brought them together and he had this flame and he put the flame over these little pieces of gold and they all sort of melted together and created this ball. And as that was underneath the flame, it was pure. It looked like glass so you could see your reflection in it. And then after a couple seconds, I noticed a bunch of this black stuff started coming to the top of, of the gold there. And obviously what was happening is as it was under the fire, the impurities that were in the gold were coming out of the gold. Uh, and one of the things it was doing is it was testing the quality of the gold. And Peter's saying that's exactly what trials do. It, we're put under fire, but it's testing the quality of our faith, and it's actually purifying us as well. Um, he says in verse 7 of 1 Peter 1, your faith is more precious than gold. He says in verse 9 there, the end of your faith, at the end of all of this, for all of us sitting here, the end of it is the salvation of your souls. So what is this faith well, most of us would probably answer what it says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, which is the right answer. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So simply put, faith is trusting in something that you can't explicitly prove. So if you're here this morning and you're going through a difficulty, you can't prove necessarily as a result of your difficulty that God is good. You, you might not be able to prove as a result of this difficulty um, that he's present with you. Perhaps you're going through a season where you don't sense his presence with you. 
But that's where faith comes in. Faith is trusting in something that you can't explicitly prove. So trials strengthen this faith by testing it to see how genuine it is. Because faith, Scripture tells us, pleases God. God loves it when we are able to say, God, even if I don't feel it, I believe it. God, even if I don't believe it, your word says it. And so I'm going to keep saying what your word says until I believe it. I'm going to keep declaring it until I feel it. But trials come and say, do you really? Is, is that true? Do you really believe this? It's like a pop quiz. If you remember back from middle school, you show up on a Monday and your teacher says, okay, close your books. We're going to do a pop quiz, a surprise quiz here to see if you know the material of everything that we've been studying for the last couple months, right? And most of the time you're like, oh man, I didn't know this, right? Because a pop quiz is an unannounced quiz. It's just a way of seeing, are you getting it? Are you, are you learning the material? And that's exactly what a trial is. It's, it's an opportunity for us to say, are you, are, are you getting it? Um, it? It's the faith that you declare real and true in your life. See, the trials are not meant to force us to quit, though we often feel that way. It's meant to push us to endure. Uh, in the secular view, if you were to talk to someone about suffering, it's never seen as a meaningful part of life. It's only seen as an interruption. It's an interruption to my plans, and it's an interruption to my dreams, and it's an interruption to my desires. But in the Christian worldview, what Scripture tells us is, is that great hearts can only be made by great troubles. It's the only way. There's people in my life that I look up to spiritually, uh, and I have for, for many years, older men, older women in my church uh, that I'll talk to in my life. And as I begin to talk to them, and, and one of the things I always ask them, I, I want to know their story. I want to you know, know how they came to this place where they love Jesus, and they're so genuine, and, and they've got such great faith. But every single person in my life, at least, that, that I look up to, every single one of them has gone through great trouble. That's part of their story. That's part of the reason why they are the way they are. Because they believe so deeply. Because they love Jesus so deeply. It's because they've gone through trial after trial after difficulty. And I don't know about you, I want that same faith and I want that same love, but I want to take the correspondence course. I don't want to walk through the difficulty. I want to sort of skip over that process and get to the maturity. But I'm realizing that's not the way it works. And I wish I could say to you, as you guys come to us as pastors with your difficulties, I think every pastor would say, man, if we could just take that difficulty away from you, we would, because we don't like to see, how, how many of us like to see our children go through difficulty? It's the hardest thing. For a pastor, it's the same way when we see you guys go through difficulty, but we realize there's a purpose behind it, that it's not a bad thing, that Jesus is accomplishing something in it. So trials are mandatory. Number two, if you're taking notes, trials are temporary. Trials are temporary. It says here in verse 13, chapter 4, back in 1 Peter chapter 4, Rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings. Notice this, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. So ultimately, my friends, at the end of whatever it is that you're going through, the end of the day, the end of our lives, joy is at the end of the journey. There's joy. It says here, when his glory is revealed, you may be glad 
with exceeding joy. Your trial may feel like the, the opposite of that. There's nothing glad in your trial. There's, there's no joy in your trial, but Jesus promises the end, there will be joy. He says actually, in fact, that faith would do this. Faith would rejoice now because of the fact that we are in this trial And as we're in this trial, we're actually taking part in some way of the sufferings of Jesus. Jesus was a man of sorrow, the word says, acquainted with all grief, which is encouraging because whatever it is that you're going through, he knows, he sees, he understands, he's felt the weight, he's felt the pain, he's felt the betrayal. He's felt overwhelmed. So we're taking part in some of his suffering. But the beautiful part about that is we know that someday we will also take part in his glory as well. Amazing thought that we get to take part in his glory. Back in 1 Peter 1, you don't have to turn there, but we read this, verse 5 there. It says, you are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation to be revealed in the last time. So One of the ways we know that trials are temporary is because you're being kept by the power of God. And I just want you to hear that this morning. If you're here and if you're in the midst of a trial, you are being kept. The Bible says underneath you are the everlasting arms. You may feel like you're falling or that the the bottom's been pulled out underneath you, but underneath you are the everlasting arms. He holds you. He keeps you. He's near you. You're being kept. When it feels like all things are out of control, nothing we go through is out of his control. Nothing. He controls the length of our difficulties and our trials. I would like to tell him, Lord, if, my, if I have a trial, could it be very quick? Sometimes they're not quick, right? Sometimes they last. Sometimes they're ongoing. But he controls the length of it. Most of our trials will pass. Most of them will, so that should hopefully be a word of encouragement for you. Very seldom are, is a trial a lifelong trial. But even still, James tells us that life itself is like a vapor or a mist. It's like your cup of coffee that most of you probably had this morning, and you saw the little bit of, of, of mist, not mist, uh, steam coming off of the coffee, and it was there for a moment, and then it was gone. And James says that's kind of like what life is. Life is quick. It's, you, know, you talk to a, a person that's lived many years of the, their life, an, an older person, and every single one of them will tell you, I look back on my life, and man, it flew by. <laughs> like it has, I don't even know where the time went, because that's how life is. So at the end of the day, we do know this, that, that, that God controls the length of them, the trials, but God also will control the, the severity of the trials as well, because trials do vary in degree. That's why he says there's various kinds of trials. So sometimes what can happen is if I'm going through a really deep trial in my life, it's easy for me to look at you talking about your trial and to sort of look down on you because your trial isn't the same as my trial. And I feel like my trial is much worse than your trial. You know, one of the things is that God is in control of the severity of it. Another thing that can also happen is, or the opposite, I can hear your trial and then I can downplay my trial and think, well, gosh, what I'm going through is nothing compared to what you're going through. I I have no right to even talk about my trial. But the reality is if you're in it, whatever degree, whatever severity it is, it's your trial for God to use in your life. That's the point. That's the point. And if it's a difficult one, God's using it. If it's less difficult than the person on your right or the person on your left, God's using it in your life. Uh, again, it tells us back in 1 Peter 1, 6, in this you greatly rejoice, notice this, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials. So trials 
do produce grief in our life. They, they, they produce this, but Peter says they're only for a season. Trials are temporary, only for a season. Uh, the great preacher Charles Spurgeon says this, our trials shall have an end when God has gotten his end in them. Our trials shall have an end when God has gotten his end in them. So if you're in a trial and the trial's not over yet, it's because God is still accomplishing something in it. Uh, Pete, Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4.17, this light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comprehension. So trials are a necessary means to a glorious end, to a glorious end. The end of your journey is joy. There is a, a uh, African-American hymn writer. His name was Charles A. Tindley. Um, and what he did is he wrote spirituals for African-Americans that were in the midst of slavery and were in the midst of facing extreme prejudice and persecution because of the color of their skin. We all know that, that dark part of our history. And so here they were in the midst of a, of a deep trial, not knowing when that trial was going to come to an end. And so this man, Charles Tindley, would write these spirituals for them to sing, to stir up faith in them as they were in the midst of, of these trials. And here's some of the lyrics of what he wrote that many of, of our African-American brothers and sisters sang in the midst of their deep trial. They would sing this, Beams of heaven as I go through this wilderness below, Guide my feet in peaceful ways. Turn my midnights into days. When in the darkness I would grope, faith always sees a star of hope. And soon from all life's grief and danger, I shall be free someday. I don't know how long it will be, nor what the future holds for me. But this I know, if Jesus leads me, I shall get a home someday. Burdens now may crush me down disappointments all around, troubles speak in mournful sigh, sorrow through a tear-stained eye. But there is a world where pleasure reigns. No mourning soul shall roam its plains, and to that land of peace and glory I will go someday. And what a powerful way of stirring up faith to be able to say those words, to sing those words, to go to the promises of God. It says in verse 14 here, if you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you. You're blessed for that. For the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part, on the person's part that is reproaching you, persecuting you, it says on their part he is blasphemed, but on your part he is glorified. Then verse 15 says, Let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, or as a busybody in other people's matters. So Peter's saying here, we should expect to suffer. And if we suffer, you are blessed because you do. It is a, an unusual way of God bringing a blessing in a peculiar way into your life. It's like what Scripture says, that God can take what was meant for evil and bring good out of it, right? That he can take ashes and bring beauty from ashes. And one of the reasons that, that difficulty and suffering and persecution even does that is because now we're identifying with Jesus. Now we're becoming closer to Jesus. Now we're experiencing some of the pain and some of the sorrow that Jesus experienced. And Jesus said, look, the world hates me. And Jesus said, if the world hates me, it's going to hate you too. 
So just, just be prepared for that. Uh, they may blaspheme him, but it says in verse 14, on your part, he is glorified, which means your trial, whatever it is, is bringing him glory. And verse 15 says, now it's possible to suffer. It's possible to be in a, in a difficulty uh, because you bring it on yourself. And Peter's saying here, don't do that. Don't, don't be, as it says in verse 15, a murderer or a thief or an evildoer. I like how he even adds in there a busybody in other people's matters, right? Don't be that person because that's not a true trial. If there's difficulty as a result of that, it's, that's just the consequences for your own behavior, right? So he's trying to separate that there. Um, so again, trials are mandatory. Trials are temporary. And then our third and, and final point here is that trials are praiseworthy. Trials are praiseworthy. Verse 16, 1 Peter 4 tells us, If anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this matter. I wrestle with that. My first thought is easier said than done. It tells us back in verse 13, it says to rejoice in the midst of your trial. But I think we see there are three reasons why trials are praiseworthy. There's three reasons why trials are praiseworthy. Number one, God will use your trial for his glory. Now, if you're an unbeliever here or you're not a Jesus follower, you don't know him, that may not sound like a big deal. Give God glory through your trial. But if you are a believer and you do know Jesus, then you know that anytime we bring God glory, that is a big deal. That is everything to us. Paul says whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, right, do it all to the glory of God, which includes the difficulties that we go through. It says here in verse 16, not to be ashamed. That word ashamed in the Greek there literally means don't shrink back like one who is disfigured. I, thought, I think of like Quasimodo, right? Or somebody that is just ashamed because of the way that their face looks. They're disfigured, and they don't want anybody to see that. Peter's saying here, don't be that. Don't be ashamed. Don't shrink back. Because sometimes our natural response to a difficulty is exactly that. It's to shrink back. It's to want to move away from it. I think of Paul and Silas. They were both beaten close to death because they were preaching the gospel. They were thrown into prison into a dungeon, literally. They were chained against the wall. The next day, they were going to stand trial and potentially be killed for the very fact that they were preaching the gospel. But Acts chapter 16, verse 25 tells us that in the, in the middle of the night, at midnight, they began to pray and they began to sing praise to God. And it says all the other prisoners heard them. Here they are in a great difficulty, a great trial, but they're bringing glory to God in the midst of their trial. They didn't shrink back. In fact, what they did is they shouted out, right? Not because it felt good, but because they knew God was in control. They knew God's character. They knew that God loved them, that God was with them, that God wouldn't abandon them. They were not ashamed. The prophet Isaiah says this, Isaiah 54, verse 4. And if you're in a trial, maybe you want to write that down. Isaiah 54, verse 4. He says, do not fear, for you will not be put, you will, I'm sorry, do not fear, for you will not be ashamed, neither be disgraced, for you will not be put to shame. I think this is a word for somebody because it's not God's heart in whatever it is that you're going through to embarrass you. God would never want to do that. It's not God's heart to frustrate you. That's not why God allows trials into our life. It's his heart to be your helper 
in time of need. It's his heart to give you the strength that you need, and it's his heart to comfort you. We're only comforted when we go through something uncomfortable. And it's his heart to be that comfort and that help in time of need. You know, we can either be ashamed of our lot in life at the present moment, and we can shrink back from it, or we can do what the old hymn writer wrote. We can say, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. So the greatest response to difficulties is not to be ashamed, but to glorify God in them. The second reason why trials are praiseworthy is because your trials will end in triumph. Your trials will end in triumph. Look at what it says here in verse 13 again. Rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings. Notice this, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. I like that. Not just joy, but exceeding joy. This is what this means. Cancer is not the end of your story. Your unpaid bills that are piling up, that's not the end of your story. If you lost your reputation or your relationships, that's not the end of your story. If your dreams have been crushed and broken, if you're lonely, if you're experiencing persecution at work, that's not the end of your story because he's saying here, there's a day coming when glory will be revealed, when faith will be made sight, you will see and you will know and you'll be filled with exceeding joy, it says. Right now we look through this glass that's a little foggy and we can't quite see clearly, but he says someday we're going to see things clearly and there's going to be glory and triumph at the end of your trial, which means this. Right now, God is wanting to stir up faith in you. And as he's stirring up faith in you, that faith is being strengthened and it's being purified so much so And this is what's amazing about what God can do. So much so, you can actually glorify him in the trial for what you know is coming after the trial. That's great faith. So often you read the Psalms and you see the psalmist and he's in the midst of difficulties. He'll say things like, there are enemies encamped all around me and he doesn't know how he's going to get out of this. And he's honest with God. He says, Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm downtrodden and I'm afraid and I'm fearful. But the end of the Psalm, he always says, yet I praise you because you are good. I praise you because you are God, because you are my strength, because you are my tower, because in you I run and I hide. He praises him before he knows the outcome of the situation because God has stirred up faith in him as a result of the difficulty. You know, even Jesus did this. Even Jesus looked ahead to what was coming as he was walking through his own suffering. It tells us in Hebrews 12 too, as we look to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and he's now sat, sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Peter's, again, in verse 19 here, it says, Therefore, let those who suffer according to the will of God commit their souls to him. I love this. As to a faithful creator. So this morning, no matter what you're up against, as difficult as I know it is for some of you, he's faithful to you. And you can commit your soul to his faithfulness. He's not going he's, he's to leave you. He's not going to let you go. He's going to walk through this with you. One of the ways you can know that he's been, he will be faithful is because you can look back and if he has been faithful to you. 
And I'm sure that all of us that have walked with Jesus for any amount of time could say, yes, he has been faithful. He's brought me up to this point. It's great faithfulness. He's not going to leave you. He hasn't brought you this far to abandon you. He hasn't brought you this far to frustrate you. He didn't bring you this far to crush you. He's going to continue to be faithful every day for the rest of your life. Whether you sense it or not, and I would say this, whether you believe it or not, he who began a good work in you, he will be faithful to complete that work that he began in you. Verse 13, when his glory is revealed, you will be glad with exceeding joy. And then finally, our third and our final reason why trials are praiseworthy as we get ready to shut this study down today. Trials are praiseworthy because no trial is wasted. This isn't a wasted trial that you're up against. He's going to put to use whatever it is that he's putting you through right now. Second Corinthians chapter 1 says this. Paul, who experienced more trials than probably all of us, says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies. Notice this. And he is the God of all comfort. That's who he is in your life today. He's the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our trial that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trial with the comfort which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our comfort, our consolation also abounds through Christ. He's saying there that, that God is a God of comfort. His desire is to comfort you today in the midst of your trial. And someday he's going to use the same comfort that you're given in your trial to be able to comfort someone else in their trial. That's the way God works. Yesterday, Pastor Ian and I were talking, and he reminded me of a quote from Pastor Ray Bentley. Uh, I love this. Pastor Ray says this, oftentimes your past misery becomes your future ministry. Oftentimes your past misery becomes your future ministry. That's exactly what Paul's saying. With, with what you went through that was miserable, God gives you comfort, and then someday you get to see someone else miserable and comfort them with the same comfort that you've been given. That's the goodness of God. He will put to use what he puts you through. There's this verse, we all have probably heard this, Psalm 56, verse 8. It tells us there that God collects our tears in a little bottle. And I remember my kids saying, like, is that real? Like, does God actually have a little bottle? And he, puts, you know, he collects every single tear. I don't think that's literal. But what I do think it means is that they're not wasted tears. He sees, he sees each tear that falls when you're alone. He sees those tears. Not only does he see them, but they're precious enough for him to catch each one of them. That's what he's saying. You're not alone. Our trials are not wasted. One of the ways we know our trials are not wasted is because Jesus' trials weren't wasted. Jesus laid aside his glory so that you and I could be clothed in it. Jesus was shut out so that you and I could have access in Jesus was bound and nailed so that you and I could be free. Jesus was cast out so that you and I could approach and draw near. And Jesus took away the only kind of suffering that can really destroy you, which is being cast away from God. That's the only suffering that can destroy you. Whatever you're going through will not destroy you. You, you will make it through. He took that suffering, so now whatever suffering comes into your life is going to make your faith great. Just like a lump of coal under pressure becomes a diamond, the suffering of a person in Christ only turns you into something beautiful. 
your trial will become your triumph. You know, I went through a number of trials in my own life. Um, one of the deepest trials was a number of years ago. My son, Josiah, who's my oldest, um, and when he was six years old, he came down with a fever and was getting really sick and stopped eating, and we didn't know what was going on, so we took him to the doctor, and they said, well, give it a week, maybe it's a virus, and a week later, his fever kept going up, 103, 104, 105, he wasn't eating. Um, the doctor says that you probably need to take him to Children's Hospital and have him check him out, and so we took him to Children's Hospital, and week one, no one knew what was going on. And in the meantime, he's getting sicker and he's getting sicker. And week two, now the cancer doctors are showing up and infectious disease doctors. And, and my wife and I are looking at each other going, what in the world is going on? Our, our, like, we didn't know. We had the doctors start to say, like, something's happening, but we don't know what's going on. Um, and, and as the, the weeks progressed, he, he was getting skinnier and skinnier. Nothing he would eat. It would go completely through him. I remember after a couple weeks, uh, I went to go give him a bath, and I took his shirt off for the first time, and I could see every single bone in his body. And it was the most crushing, heartbreaking thing I've ever been through. And, and driving home at night, my wife would stay in the hospital. I, I remember driving in my car going, God, what is the point of this? I, I would do, and I'm sure every father knows this feeling, and mother too, I would do anything uh, to take that suffering away from my son and to take it upon myself. And, and we were beginning to prepare for the fact that maybe God's going to take him from us. And so we were there for three weeks, and then four weeks, and then five weeks. And it was probably around week five, uh, we finally got a diagnosis that he had a very severe case of something called Crohn's disease. It was eating away his, his insides, and so he ended up getting on medicine. And we were there for six weeks, and then there for seven weeks. And he finally came home, and it was a great party, and we were so excited, and he had, our dog came up and met him, and I remember him being there petting the dog, so excited to see the dog after seven weeks, and our phone rings, and it's the doctor, and the doctor says to us, hey, we just got you know, some more testing back, you need to come back to the hospital again. And it, just going through that season felt like crushing upon crushing, weight upon weight. But there's a moment I remember in particular, um, when I was there at the hospital at one of my lowest points, trying to trust God as much as I could, finding it very difficult, that I had a couple of my friends who were pastors come in, uh, and that was the moment I lost it, and I just held them and I wept. Um, and, and I don't even remember exactly what it was that they said to me, um, but I remember being encouraged that, look, this is, this is not going to be the end of your story. Whatever is going on, whatever happens, God is going to be faithful. And I can say this, on the other side of this trial, my son now is 20 years old. Uh, he's healthy. Uh, he's still with us. Thank, thank Jesus. Uh, it's not the story for everybody. Um, but that was a trial for, for us, for sure, that God used to strengthen. It was mandatory for us. It was not something we signed up for. It's not something we wanted. It was temporary for us, thankfully. And now we can look back and we can praise God. Maybe not praise God for the suffering that my son went through, but praise God for what he accomplished in the midst of it. But one of the reasons I wanted to just tell that story is because it was my brothers and for my wife, our sisters, that came around us. And I want to do this as the worship team comes out this morning. If you're here and you're in the midst of a trial, 
problem and you're going through difficulty, and I know that there's a number of you, this week uh, there were at least two people in our church that uh, found out they have a diagnosis that's not good. Uh, There was a brother in our church who lost his wife unexpectedly this week. I know that there are trials that you're going through. And I just want to ask if you would, no pressure, if you would just stand if you're in the midst of it so that we can pray for you. And I want to read something over you. Uh, If you're going through a trial, would you just stand wherever you are? So what I'd like to do And by the way, I understand there may be some of you here that are going through a trial, but you don't have the strength to stand. And that's okay. I want to read this over you. It's a devotional that I read a number of months ago. And it comes from Matthew 28, verse 20, where Jesus says, Lo, I am with you always. I'm with you. Jesus is saying that to you today. He is with you. Whatever it is you're going through. Never look ahead to the changes and the challenges of this life in fear. Instead, as they arise, look at them with the full assurance that God, whose you are, will deliver you out of them. Hasn't he kept you safe up till now? So hold his loving hand tightly, and he will lead you safely through all things. And when you cannot stand, he will carry you in his arms. So do not look ahead to what may happen tomorrow. The same everlasting Father who cares for you today will take care of you tomorrow and every day. Either he will shield you from suffering or he will give you his unwavering strength that you may bear it. But either way, be at peace and set aside all anxious thoughts and worries. Can we do one more thing? Those of you that are standing, if you're near someone that's standing, could you just stand with them and put your hand on them? And don't ask them what their struggle is. That's between them and the Lord. But let's just pray for them. Lord Jesus, you see, Lord. Your word says you see each tear that falls. And you've given us a place this morning of people whose hands are around us right now, Lord, that will bear this burden with us, Lord. We don't have to carry this alone. But one thing we do know, Lord, is that you will forever be faithful. One thing we do know is that you are good. One thing we do know, Lord, is you will not leave us, you will not abandon us. Your word says nothing can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so, as Paul says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything with prayer and supplication. Lord, here we are. We're bringing these trials. We're bringing these difficulties. We're bringing our heartache to you, Lord. And then you give us a promise. And so we want to claim that promise right now, Lord, that the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, that that will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. So for our brothers and our sisters that are standing, Jesus, Prince of Peace, would you fill them with a peace that passes their, their circumstances, that passes their difficulty, Lord, that passes even their trial, that passes their understanding? And would you guard their heart and guard their minds in Christ Jesus? I pray they would know your peace. Even right now, Holy Spirit, would you come upon them?
where they sense your presence. Maybe it's been a while since they've sensed your presence, Lord. So all of us in this place, all of us, Lord, as Peter says, we commit our lives to you. We commit our souls to you as to a faithful creator. You're a faithful God. You've been faithful yesterday. You are faithful today. And you will be faithful tomorrow. In Jesus' name, amen. We pray that you've been encouraged by this Bible study delivered live from the sanctuary of Calvary Church. For prayer, call us at 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-304-7223. To listen to this message in its entirety or to join us for our live stream services, visit us online at calvaryco.church or download our free Calvary Church app. Be blessed as you worship Jesus this week.